Right, one set. Camera rolling. Sound. The good. The bad. And the just plain standard. Take one. Salut. Hey. All right. Welcome back to the good, the bad, and the just plain standard podcast, where we provide you with our informed opinions on movie on movies we watch together. We are your hosts, Adam and Jan. <laughs> Anouk is unfortunately not with us yeah, today, but she sends her love. She's in London this week, this weekend that we were recording this. Uh, today is all about J.J. Abrams' 2009 Star Trek reboot. Zachary Quinzo as Mr. Spock and Carl Urban as Dr. McCoy with Leonard Nimoy as Ambassador Stock and Anton Yelchin as Chekhov. Also starring Zoe Zaldana as Uhara, John Cho as Sulu, Simon Pegg as Montgomery Scott and Eric Bana as Nero. Okay, guest introduction. In a kingdom crippled by fear, one woman must stand alone. This Christmas, you will understand why Ginger begins with G.I. Bunny, Paladin Princess, rated R. Jan never fails with these made-up intros as we go. Jan, you considered improv? Hey, hi, Bunny. Who are you and what are you doing here? (laughs) Oh my goodness, that was extremely entertaining. (laughs) Yeah, oh, see, yeah, hey, Bunny, so who are you and what are you doing here? Oh, well, I'm just here, uh... (laughs) I want to talk about Star Trek. I don't know about you guys, but I'm here to share my Trekkie knowledge with the world. Great, great. So, um, <laughs> first time I saw you, Bunny, I must say, was on a Pop Iden poster. And I thought, wow, what a lovely magician's assistant. Well, I did not even know if you were one, but... And, and then years later, I noticed that you were a geek, nerd too. And I made it a kill two birds with, with one stone thing to come say hello when I came to uh, LA for Con Man in June. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was years ago. Yeah, two years ago. The first time we met, it was actually at the Magic Castle. And I've noticed uh, the Magic Castle is like your second home. Can you tell us what you're doing at the Magic Castle? It really is. Uh, You know, I I perform with a few magicians there on a regular basis. And uh, actually, my regular day job at the Magic Castle, I can't tell you what I do. It's a secret. That's how magical the castle is. But I can tell you that during the month of December, I'm their Mrs. Claws. So I get dressed up like an old lady and walk around and and hand out candy canes to the children with Santa. And I get to talk like this and really put on an old lady voice. It's wonderful, (laughs) dears. I basically get to channel my inner Carol Channing. Oh, wow. (laughs) It's fun. Awesome, awesome. We also met at the uh, Los Angeles Mini Cosplay Convention and the Vegas uh, Amazing Comic Con, where you were. Oh yeah. When you were performing on stage, can you expand a bit on uh, what the library bards are? Yes. So um, my best friend Xander and I we created a nerd parody band. So basically, we get to travel all over the country to different comic cons and pop culture events and sing songs about 
our favorite fandoms like Star Trek, Star Wars, video games, The Hobbit, Harry Potter. So we take top 40 hits off the radio and we make them all nerdy. We make them better, basically. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, indeed. Indeed. <laughs> But Xander was on uh, Xander was on TBS's King of the Nerds. And I was on a show called The Quest on ABC. And so after our reality shows were done, we wanted to work together and um, create a project together. And that's how the Library Bards got started. Cool. Yeah, uh, that's an yeah. incredible segue because I was about to come to that. In an ocean of reality crap, I do consider that there are only two reality TV shows that, are, that were at least worth my attention. Uh, Darren's Brown Apocalypse and The Quest. W what's The Quest? Okay, so the, it's, this is such a project that was so near and dear to my heart. The Quest was a show uh, created by Mark Adesky, Jane Fleming, Rob Eric, basically the producers of like Lord of the Rings, Amazing Race, uh, you know, just the people that create, you know, good quality television and, and storytelling and movies. Um, and they created a reality show where they took 12 nerds across the country uh, of America and put us in an immersive fantasy world in Europe. So basically they flew us all to Austria. We lived in a real castle. We were surrounded by actors who were in character 24 seven, you know, we'd wake up every morning, you know, sword fighting and there'd be ogres and dragons and different quests that we had to go on. And it was all to see who would be the one true hero. And, you know, reality TV is so big about, you know, the drama and like the backstabbing and the, the, you know, showing the worst qualities of people. And this show was completely different. It was all about celebrating fantasy and becoming a hero and what a hero's journey is. And it, and it basically showed the, the positive qualities in, in each of us and uh, showcased that anyone could be a hero. And it was a really special show. It was very, very special. It was on Netflix for a while too. And now I think you can still find it on Amazon Prime, if I'm not mistaken. And YouTube. I think you can find it on YouTube if you search the Quest ABC. Oh, okay. Yeah, and you're you're you missed out a key reality show that you should definitely pay attention. Not the mole. The mole, come on. The mole's amazing. I was watching that today actually. <laughs> if listeners notice I sound stuffy, I'm currently you know, ill from the flu, so I've just been in bed all day watching reruns of Anderson Cooper and the Mole. It's great. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I'm pretty sure it has nothing to do with the show. It's Katie Griffith. You you also have a ginger fetish, I'm pretty sure. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little, yeah. My first my first girlfriend was a red was ginger. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I will in a few minutes when I'm done with my own story uh, ask you guys where you're coming from and where you are now in terms of Star Trek, right? Okay. Okay. So, well, I, I know I came in very late. I've, I've obviously seen the, the three reboots and I still wasn't really into it. And it clicked at some point last year, actually. I've been to see a show at the Fringe by a gentleman named uh, Rick Carenza, who does a Star Wars versus Star Trek debate every year, huh. every, every year, every day, uh, uh, comedy kind of uh, improv with the, he's bringing some uh, people performing to have a debate, two of the performers, and it was uh, very nice. I've been last year at least uh, 12 times, and this year I went a few times and I actually interviewed the guy. 
um, for a video that hopefully will come out at some point. Uh, well, and after that, I finally decided to get myself a chronological watch list to know exactly what to watch and when. And I've watched everything up until when the crossovers between the next generation and uh, Deep Space Nine start to happen. Um, the movies only up to the undiscovered country. Uh, uh, oh, luckily, everything was on Netflix, so it was it was it was cool. <laughs> Um, yeah. Oh, also, yeah. I also remember just yesterday, I actually saw Nemesis when it was released. I enjoyed it, which was so it would be my introduction to the, to the world. For some reason, I, I enjoyed it. And, um, also, um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much my story. <laughs> um, Bonnie, what's your story yes. in Star Trek? Well, uh, I grew up watching Star Trek, actually. Um, I wasn't like a huge fan growing up just because I couldn't really understand it. Uh, you know, as a child, you know, I, I would see my parents watching it and I'd watch it because it looked cool and it looked kind of fun, but I wasn't really following the storylines or the uh, characters like I, I do now. But then uh, as I got older, I started to have a deeper appreciation for it. And I, I'm originally from Louisiana but I moved around a lot after Hurricane Katrina and ended up in Las Vegas doing shows in Las Vegas. And that's where I got cast in a, in a show attraction type performing gig called the Star Trek, uh, Star Trek, the experience. It was at the Hilton, which is now the Westgate, but <laughs> it was this interactive show and it had, and also it was like, it's really hard to explain it. I was basically on the bridge of the enterprise and people would come through and we would, they would, it would basically be as if they just got transported from the past into the future and we had to get them back to their timeline. And it was just such an amazing, uh, production value. And they had quarks, the restaurant, uh, quarks from DS9, uh, with, with aliens walking around, uh, you know, Klingons, Ferengis, every, you know, Andorians just walking around and like sitting down with people as they're eating and like asking questions about the 21st century. It was just so interesting and fun. So I worked that for a while. I was part of the closing cast of that. Uh, it closed down in 2008. And that's when I really had a real deep appreciation for Star Trek. And I started going, you know what? I really need to, um, you know, not just focus on like next gen and, and uh ds9 from from this i need to i want to go back and watch it all so i went back and just watched everything from the original series to voyager to ds9 to next Gen. i watched it all everything that i've already seen again uh i still haven't gotten all the way through enterprise so i i have uh i have that one still to get through but uh i just i love i watched i've seen all the movies and now uh i'm living in los angeles and i'm on another, I'm on a Star Trek show right now. So it's, it's like, it's come full circle from working the Star Trek experience in Las Vegas. And it's led me to now working on a Star Trek show. Um, and we can talk about that later on uh, geek and sundry. So I'll tell you guys all about that later on, but that's my relationship with Star Trek. It's basically now an important and integral, integral, integral. That's not even a word. Yeah. No, yeah. integral works. Yeah. It's a, it's a very important part of my life and is basically uh, now integrated into my being. <laughs> Okay, well, most, um, I have many friends who really started with the Kelvin timeline, with the, the reboots. So it's, uh, it's quite cool that, uh, at least those, those movie made it that the vast number of people went into the, the universe, which is, uh, I think 
richer than the Star Wars one. And uh, yeah, so it, I think that's that's cool that uh, this renewing thing uh, coming up. Uh, Adam, what's your Star Trek story? You know, you guys seen Scott Pilgrim vs. the World or read it? Mm, I've seen it. So bas- basically, there's a scene in this movie and graphic novel where the, everyone's at a party and there's just this one female standing against the wall not knowing what to do. That's basically me in the Star Trek conversation. Because ah. I, I have seen one film and it's the one we're reviewing today. This isn't the first time I've seen it. I do remember seeing it. When I was about, if it was 2009, I'd be about, what, f- yeah, f- 15, f- 14 or 15, I remember seeing this film. I was like, oh, this is pretty good, I should get into Star Trek, and then I just never got around to doing it. So, yeah, this is interesting for me, although I do know, like, I've, I'm familiar with all the references and, like, how it integrates into pop culture. Like, I know, like, the, the themes of the original CDs and how integral it was to certain people in media right now how they they see the world and stuff like uh it teaches a lot of lessons but apart from that i'm very new to this whole world mm. well welcome <laughs> welcome <laughs> welcome to the federation <laughs> <laughs> yeah there is something that is also interesting um the series in france it was never a thing that's i think that's why they had uh, Jean-Luc Picard to be from France. They were hoping to get some of the uh, the French audience, but uh, uh, a French guy uh, being a Shakespearean and uh, drinking uh, Earl Grey hot, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm, not, uh, <laughs> I'm not sure. And uh, I think uh, what brought the friends at last into the thing were, were, were the, the new movies, actually. You guys had um, Valerian. Uh, yeah, we had Valerian, but it was just uh, an animated, well, it was a comic, uh, bande dessinée, a mm-hmm. comic book, and then an animated, but uh, we had no series or mm-hmm. it's just a movie that was just released now. But Well, the good news is, is that Netflix has all of them. Woo! I don't know if it's the same in the, in the UK or not, but you can go onto Netflix and watch all of the Star Trek series. And it's wonderful. <laughs> That's what I do. Yeah, we've got everything. I think some of the earlier movies are not there, but the, all the series. Uh, yeah, all the series are definitely up there. Um, okay. Uh, did you know that J.J. Uh, Abrams was also a magic enthusiast? No, I didn't know that. I need to get him into the magic castle. Well, he, he's a big, he, he grew up with Larry Fong who is the big shot cinematographer in Hollywood working with Zack Snyder. And uh, we are talking about uh, Larry Fong. In, uh, we, we are doing a magic month in February and we, we, we had a guest uh, the other day and he talked a bit about who Larry Fong is, but he's a great magic and uh, cinematographer. And yeah, so J.J. Abrams, he did a TED Talk uh, in 2007 called The Magic, The, the Mystery Box. It's like uh, 18 minutes and he explains. So there are those um, box at uh, Tannen's Magic in New York, I think, in New York. And so it's $15 for the box and you've got, it's uh, $50 worth of content inside. Wow. Yeah, and in the uh, TED Talk, he was explaining how all this, uh, the why he never opened the box. Like he got the box when he was a child, he never opened it. And he was explaining the whole um aspect about the mystery in his projects and everything i really uh yeah it's 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 a watch it's it's something to watch Uh, by the way (laughs) um with that concept he actually is selling uh, mystery boxes with playing cards uh, branded bad robot Mm. that you can purchase if you want 
Wow, I'll have to check that out. <laughs> All right, so um, this new film establishes a new timeline and essentially obliterates the prime timeline. Yeah. <laughs> so we are left, I think, there's just uh, Enterprise and Discovery that can go along with that new timeline, which makes it uh, this film James Tiberius Kirk's origin story. So what do you think about this movie as a movie in itself? Well, here's the thing with the with the reboot. Uh, at first, I was kind of on the fence about uh, the reboot movies because it, it really didn't feel like Star Trek to me. And that's kind of the argument that I feel with uh, Star Trek Discovery as well, the new show, because it instead of Star Trek, which really focused on like intellectual um And, and, and like character development and, you know, the very big belief that, you know, everything could be negotiated with peace and, and understanding. Instead, it turns into a huge action franchise. And so I had a, a slight problem with that at first. But uh, the more I watched it, the more it kind of grew on me. And I kind of, you know, I understand why they went that direction, too. And it and it opens up a whole new audience uh, to Star Trek, which, you know, a lot of people who they're only... Uh, introduction to Star Trek is with the new reboot franchise. You know, they're watching it and they're going, oh, this is really cool. I'm going to go watch all the, you know, old movies and the, the shows. And then they go back and watch, um, you know, Next Generation or, or another, you know, Voyager or, or, you know, just any any of the other Star Trek um, series or, or worlds or, or films. And they realize you know, it, it gives you both sides of Star Trek, like the action um, side, but also like, oh, this is, This is what Star Trek was all about, the, you know, the federation of a future that we could all be equal and and live in, in peace. And so I, I think it introduced a whole new audience to Star Trek and people are discovering uh, their love for the new series or for the older series, uh, as well as the new reboots, if that makes sense. <laughs> I tend to ramble. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I'll get into that afterwards, but uh, then... Uh, that's one of the thing issues I have with Discovery. It's the it's more wars in the stars than actually trekking. Mm -hmm. It's very, it's very much so um, uh, an action series. And I I still I really enjoy uh, Star Trek Discovery, but I will say it doesn't fully feel like Discovery, or just it doesn't fully feel like Star Trek to me. It feels like a really well-made, uh, fun, exciting sci-fi series that has the Star Trek name attached to it. So Yeah. Um, there is one big concept which appears very early on in the original series that we don't see at any point except in the third reboot, I think. Mm -hmm. The Prime Directive. Ah, uh, yes. How did it... Uh, I mean, in terms of... Um, Your personal development, did uh, this concept have any effect or? Uh, how so? You mean, w w what do you mean? Like how it affected me personally or? It's a kind of a big and interesting concept compared to uh, everyone always doing war with everyone. So. Um, oh, I see. Well the, well, the prime directive is also a way for um, them to not interfere with, you know, um, other species development. Or, you know, for example, if they went to, and it's the same thing with, um, when you think about our civilizations, like thinking about all the conquering and conquests that, um, different cultures have done throughout the past. There's some civilizations, you know, that are still out in the, you know, deep in the Amazon or, or whatnot that have still have no contact with, with 
um, technology or or um, the our modern civilization, and that's where the idea of the prime directive comes in. To where like it, it's it's that question: Should we interfere? It, will us going to them and in teaching them make them better, or are we just interrupting their natural development and their natural um, you know uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Oh, I can't think of the word. It's it's gonna drive me crazy. But yeah, their own, you know, their their own personal growth. Um, and it's the same thing with Star Trek. Like if there's an alien planet that, you know, they're not ready for the type of technology or knowledge that the Federation has, uh, that's why they have the prime directive. So they so the Federation Starfleet officers cannot interfere with this planet's, you know, personal growth. Because if you imagine a starship just landing on a on a planet that has a very um you know primal civilization that hasn't discovered technology or hasn't you know developed like us they see a giant starship land they're going to think it's you know some supernatural you know magic or 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 gods and that's when you know you start influencing their um their growth and and that's that's what happens actually in the in the star trek film the in the reboot where they see the starship and uh and they start drawing they just start drawing it in the dirt and so they basically they definitely screwed up the prime directive in that scene <laughs> that's not that's not what star trek is all about the first scene of the last movie uh, today yes yes about the cast it's weird because um we watching uh it again for this uh, two days ago I think Eric Banner's makeup was so subtly effective that I actually had to Google the Nero to actually realize it was Eric Banner. Oh yeah, uh, the the makeup and special effects are uh, beyond amazing. I feel like they did a great job with casting people that um, stay true to the original feel of the characters as well. Like if you look at um, Spock. If you look at Chris Pine playing Captain Kurt, you know, I feel like the actors really try to um, give their own personal twist to the character, but at the same time pay tribute to the original actors. And I really liked that. I love the actor who played Chekhov, which is so sad um, yes. that he's passed away. I felt he did an, a fantastic job. I loved Simon Pegg as, uh, as Scotty because, you know, just... He, I love Simon Pegg in general, so just to have him in the in the movie made me happy. But I, I felt like they did a really good job with trying to keep uh, staying true to the original characters, but at the same time, kind of you know giving them a more uh, hip, <laughs> you know, current feel, and uh, mm. but still keeping their quirks. And I, I love oh the actor who played Bones. He's uh, I felt he re he was Bones like. He played the doctor so well. I felt like the, just his mannerisms and the way he spoke uh, to Chris Pine, and, and it was perfect. I was just like, oh man, he's nailing this. So I, I really enjoyed it. The more I watch it, the more I get a more of appreciation for it. Um, you know, when I first saw the movie, I was kind of like, whoa, this was good, but you know, is it Star Trek? And then you know, the more I rewatch it, the more I'm like, you know what? It is Star Trek. It's just, it's, it's Star Trek. The beauty, the beautiful thing about Star Trek, if you watch all the series, is Star Trek grows with, um, you know, what they're, tr the message they're trying to um, perceive and the audience they're trying to reach. So uh, with the new reboot, I feel like they're just trying to branch out to a larger audience and in turn bringing more people into the star trek universe and now now star trek is cool it's not something that you know 
when you go to a Star Trek convention, most people would be like, oh God, look at these nerds. These guys are so nerdy. And now, you know, it's hip. Now it's cool to be into Star Trek, which I wish that was the case growing up. But uh, now it's now it's a cool thing to be a part of. And I'm glad that, oh yeah, you know, the younger kids today are growing up with Star Trek in their, you know, everyday vocabulary. <laughs> Well, it's the yeah the era of the nerds for sure, Marvel and all that stuff. Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, so, as a rule of thumb, I will always love movies that are on board ships, warships, or spaceships, because so I was in the navy for twelve years, so the structure, command structure, is quite similar, and I also mm -hmm. love the fact that they use uh, human female pronouns to refer as ships. So that's quite cool. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, Although I never felt at risk on a ship, uh, even with the huge angles due to the sea, um, I realized a few years ago that I would probably be in total panic if I were to actually go in space, because at sea, you, you can still swim for some time, but in space, there is just that thin layer uh, between you and the total void. And yeah, between you and certain death, basically. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. So is it it's a dream uh, of yours to go in space one day? Well, you know, I would want to wait till they perfected the technology. I wouldn't want to be a test subject on a, on a flight up there. Okay, I, you know, with there's so many different projects that NASA and SpaceX are working on right now to actually have, um, you know, just everyday citizens have the opportunity to go up and, you know, have a quick... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, rotation, like around the earth in space or, you know, a quick, you know, mini vacation around the moon. You know, it's amazing that they're, that they're working on that for the future. Um, I would want for it to be perfected and, uh, and completely safe before I got on it. Because again, it is, it is scary and anything can go wrong. I mean, Imagine being an astronaut and, and, you know, being up in space and, and looking down on Earth and, and something going wrong and just knowing there's just no way you can get back down. It's that's terrifying. Yeah. Uh, there's, yeah. <laughs> there's something I'm not crazy about in space movies. Uh, noises in space. Uh, music is fine, obviously, but explosions and uh, whoosh. Uh, I mean, the only time actually where I've seen it's been done properly, like in real life, I would say it was Firefly. Oh, yeah. But I always feel weird, uh, well, knowing that in space, uh, nobody can hear you scream, yeah, obviously, but there is no sound possible. It's true. It's, uh, it's definitely, um, you know, it, it's one of those things where Star Trek it's, is iconic for its music and it's iconic for the, the sound effects. You know, my, my phone, whenever someone texts me or calls me or something, I'll have, you know, the sound of the teleporter or uh, the sound of the doors opening or, uh, you know, a phaser fire sound coming out. So for me, the sounds, I know, I know that they're not scientifically accurate considering that you, you're not supposed to hear sound in space. But for me, it's more of a nostalgic, like, oh, there's that's the that's the sound of a phaser, you know, because I know exactly uh, that's a that's a photon torpedo. I know exactly what's being shot and what's happening. But you're right, when when things explode in space, you're not going to hear it <laughs> unless unless it's exploding in the room on the bridge with you. Yeah, 
then you'll hear it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's also one thing that I always seemed weird because, okay, so there's this thing in the whole series that you have to be perfectly still and in one place to actually be able to be beamed uh, somewhere. And now they introduce that you can be beamed uh, while uh, falling. And right after that, two minutes after that, uh, Spock loses his mother because uh, she's moving while... Uh, that's weird. Yeah, they, yeah, there's always some um, discrepancies that they tend to ignore and details that they tend to overlook for story purposes. But, um, you know, if anyone's going to be able to pull any of that off, it's going to be Scotty. So <laughs> let's, let's just let Simon Pegg work his magic and <laughs> get everyone on the ship. It's, you know, um, in the later, in the later series of, of, um, you know, like Voyager and DS9, you know, they did have that capabilities of doing that. So I guess they're just in the, in the new reboot, they're just introducing it a little early for story purposes, but we'll, we'll see. I mean, I'm, I'm excited to see uh, if you heard about the news that Quentin Tarantino wants to direct the next Star Trek film. I'm very curious how, what direction he's going to take with it. Have you heard about that? There's an article out no, that he I wants haven't. to direct the next one. And I'm oh. kind of curious what he would do differently and what kind of um, story he would want to be told. Okay, okay. Uh, to boldly go where no motherfucker's been before. That's right. I'll <laughs> <laughs> be that's got to be in there. I, I don't know how the studio is letting uh, the directors work their magic within the Star Wars thingy. Yeah, I mean, they got to find a balance. They have to make sure, you know, the story and the characters stay true to the Star Trek universe. But at the same time, I understand why, you know, big Hollywood executives want to bring in the action and the special effects and the, you know, they want the, the razzle dazzle uh, side of it when really Star Trek's all about story and it's all about the characters and it's all about, you know, bringing in those really strong um, storylines of, you know, just looking back on the original series and Next Gen and Voyager, you know, it, it touches so many strong um, equality rights between racism and 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 equality and sexism. And it's it's so fascinating to see how far we've come, like with, you know, watching some of the older episodes of the original series, it was so ahead of its time Yeah. by, by putting women in, in roles of command and not of command, but you know, of importance. And but when you go back and watch it, it's still horribly sexist and just unreal with its with its uh, with the way that they talk, you know, to women in different different scenario in different scenarios. And then and then you fast forward to Voyager, where you have Captain Janeway, like the first female captain, you know, taking the helm. Um, you know, and, and, and being the lead in a show. And it's so amazing how far it, it pushed the boundaries constantly just trying to, you know, for, through the, through the original series and through the nineties, then just on and on, just trying to, I don't know, it's, it's always been, I think some of the forefront of really good television and storytelling. Yes, it can be extremely campy and cheesy, but, um, when you kind of look past that, it's, it's really special. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, I haven't reached Voyager yet, unfortunately. But there is a scene in the original series I remember, which was quite uh, well. The the uh, interracial kiss was quite yes, groundbreaking. Yes. But there is another one that is not talked about that much. I think or I haven't investigated really. But the uh, when Lincoln is in there. Oh yes, when Abe Lincoln is brought back. <laughs> says like, oh, you have a charming negress or something like this, and then they like. Uh, 
look at him uh, normally and he feels like discomfort. He says, oh, I, I, I didn't mean... Uh, and just say, no, no, but uh, today in our uh, society, we, we don't, we're not embarrassed by those kind of words anymore. We, we've transcended all those uh, right. things. Well, and that's just, you know, it's, it's, it's the vision of having, you know, and Gene Roddenberry, he had the vision of having a, I wouldn't say a perfect future because that, that'll, you know, that's impossible. But, you know, where we transcended greed and... And, you know, there, there is no money, there's no need for money, there is no need for, there's no hunger, there's no war, to where the, the idea of Star Trek is bettering yourself, and bettering humanity, and bettering um, just the world by exploring, and learning, and, and gaining more knowledge. And, and that's just, as Spock would say, that's just fascinating. <laughs> Um, I really liked the Nero here. I, I really felt the three-dimensional aspect. He reminded me of the uh, uh, Baron Zemo in Civil War. Like uh, a... Oh, yeah. Yeah, a villain who really had a purpose. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's funny because, you know, when I was working the Star Trek uh, experience, they were closing it down. This was back in 2008. They were closing it down because they felt just Star Trek just wasn't, um, you know wasn't relevant anymore and they were going to put something new in where it was and and they you know they were uh, you know firing us all closing it down taking down everything and and people were just devastated and then the new movie came out a year later and we're we're all just like just wait one more year you know what if this movie you know brings it all back and i feel like they might be kicking themselves in you know in the head now because look how popular star trek is now i mean it's a huge movie franchise it has its own a television show back on the air uh and you know it's current it's relevant and it's and it's cool and i feel like the star trek experience should still be around today if, if, if they had just waited one more year to see how the movie would have taken off i feel like it should still be here but that's just me i'm all depressed about it i want to go back <laughs> to those days <laughs> yeah but there is uh, another series that uh, is conquering the world more and more from the uk doctor who who's uh, as old as this track probably kind of like in the 60s yes Yes, uh, I love Doctor Who. It's uh, it, and that's another another um, show that you know. Of course, there's always the exceptions that they show, but the Doctor is such an amazing character to where he, whenever he, you know, he almost never chooses violence. You know, he always tries to solve everything in a nonviolent way, and and um, and that's very much. I feel like the Doctor would be a great addition to the Federation. <laughs> There's actually comic books out there that um, are Star Trek and Doctor Who crossovers, and I own them. They're really good. Um, a question for Adam now. What do you think about Simon Pegg's accent? I knew abilities? this was coming. I knew this was coming. It's pretty good, actually. I'm, I'm currently watching <laughs> Highlander, right? And there are some atrocities of some Scottish accents in there. <laughs> oh my Christ, that's, there are some good ones. But no, Simon Pegg's pretty good and he uses um pretty good dialect as well there is definitely use of by the by the way as an as a finisher of a sentence and that's that's very common of an edinburgh dialect so it's he's, he's pretty grounded in where he wants to be so yeah it's pretty good it's not just somebody trying to be scottish and assuming you know just have a beard be ginger yeah just toss trees around you know <laughs> you all come from the mountains essentially right 
I, uh, I'm not gonna lie, Scottish accents are my weakness. I love Scottish accents. <laughs> so uh, Scotty was always one of my favorite characters because of that. <laughs> and um, yeah, in fact, my favorite week at the Magic Castle that they used to do uh, was Magic of Scotland week and all the magicians from Scotland would come over and I would oh. just, I, I wouldn't even pay attention to the magic. I'd just be listening to them talk and be like, this is wonderful. <laughs> It took Jan at least, I don't know, three, four months to be, to fully understand me, I reckon. Uh, longer? It, it it took me, no, it, well, a bit longer. It took me, I still don't understand <laughs> our yoga teacher. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. No, yeah, it took a while, and uh, Molly took a while also. Well, I'm from Fife, which uh, I don't even understand people from, say, in Fife. And I'm from there. It's so... I think because I I grew up near Edinburgh and Glasgow, I've got this sort of well, I don't have it now because I have the cold, so it sounds even more deeper. Um, mm-hmm. So I and also being an actor, I've had to learn to have a a standard Scottish voice, which is what I um I speak like the now. This is um standardised Scots, so it's a bit easier for listeners to get in. But I, when we do Scottish Month in January, you'll hear me drop uh, quite a lot when we're talking about doing quotes from scenes because it just goes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be talking to my dad and I'll notice myself that I'm like, I barely, I don't think I would understand what we were saying outside of this conversation, but we understand what we're talking about. It's quite, it's, it's amusing, but Jan would be lost. In fact, anyone, anyone would be lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you will be the host on that month also, so yeah. <laughs> um, so, um, in the pool of everything you've seen or heard or read in the Trekverse, what are, so, you're, uh, well, that's a big question really, but uh, what, what is your favorite emotional scene? Oh, gosh, that's a tough one. Um, oh man, my favorite, you can't choose. That's, that's, oh God, there's so many. (laughs) That's really hard. I mean, the one that comes to mind, of course, which is probably a lot of people's, uh, standout moments was when Spock, well, in, in, in the, in the movie, in the new reboot, they switch it. But in the original series, um, when Spock sacrifices himself, um, and, you know, goes into where the radiation is and, and basically he knows he's going to die and he sacrifices himself for the crew and the ship and for Captain Kirk. And, and that, and they're having that moment between the glass where they're, you know, putting their hands up. And in the, in the reboot, they switch it to where it's Captain Kirk, uh, doing it. Spoilers, in case anyone hasn't seen it. But <laughs> I, I thought that was really interesting. And, and they, and they mirrored it perfectly, um, with the original series. So that's always a touching moment. I do love, Oh man, there's just so many. The the show has so many good moments. I'm a huge I'm a huge fan of Data from Next Generation. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I love I love his story arc. I love Brent Spiner as an actor. Um, His story arc was just so uh, special. You know him him trying to fit in and and become more human. And uh, his journey of becoming more human. It just almost like a parallel to Spock. having, you know, his Vulcan side and, and hiding his human emotions in, in, in learning more about humans and, and interacting with different, you know, humanoids and whatnot. He actually, I feel almost became like the most human of them all. You know, he had the most compassion and the most um, artistic side because he would, he would try so hard. And the fact that he had so much drive and ambition to learn uh, was really special i love i love the character of data he's my favorite <laughs> and his uh, love for sherlock holmes and uh, yeah oh yeah yeah so my scene was actually it's the same um uh, it it's not unlike a scene that we've seen in uh, doctor who 
um, the last episode where Devin and Tennant was. So it was a bit like uh, the same. There was a radiation chamber. Oh, yeah. And it was irradiated. And End of Time Part 2, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think End of Time Part 2. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I've been uh, watching this in a cycle uh, for the last uh, two years, at least uh, once a month. Um, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, the I have been and always shall be your friend, which is the line, mm-hmm. which, funnily enough, is the very first line that Ambassador Spock uh, says to the new Kirk in the in that. Re- well, it's a, it's the uh, it's the line that he says in the original series as well. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, OK, favorite uh, movie. Uh, you know what? My favorite movie, I love Wrath of Khan. Everyone loves Wrath of Khan. That's a great one. But my favorite movie, a Star Trek movie, is Star Trek IV, A Journey Home, which is when they go back in time to the 80s. And it's so funny to watch them try and fit in with, um, like, you know, current times of the day. Um, it's hysterical. And they have to go back in time and save the whales. And the plot and the story is just so ridiculous and campy, but it's actually really good. And it's a really good movie. And it's funny. And it's, uh, I mean, it's around the time um, when all the, you know, everyone was scared about Russian spies and the USSR, you know, back in the, in the 80s. And, you know, Chekhov is running around San Francisco looking, you know, asking people for the nuclear vessels. And people are just looking at him with like this crazy Russian accent going, what? You know, it's just so funny. And uh, I don't know. It just, it makes me laugh a lot. Um, they have no idea what money is. They don't know idea how to use it. They're just, it's, it's funny. And it's one of my favorites. And the fact that they have to go back in time and save whales is just so silly to me. But it's a great movie. Um, Bonnie, have you been reading my notes? Because that's the exact one I have, The Voyage Home. <laughs> uh, what? I have not been reading your notes. No, because I also picked that one, The Voyage Home. Uh, yes. Is that your favorite too? Yes. Oh. yes. <laughs> do, you guys, do you guys want to be left alone for a bit? I'll just, I'll just sit over here. <laughs> um, favorite um, funny scene? favorite funny scene oh boy this oh man um oh you know what you know what episode i love uh that's that always makes me laugh and it's that it's the next generation it's called a handful of datas and data data's program gets locked in uh gets integrated into the computer into the ship's computer somehow and Worf is in the holodeck with his son and deanna troy and they're doing a western theme and all of a sudden all the characters start turning into data and it's really funny and it and so every character that they interact with is played by um brent spiner and and at the very end the very last character to to change is the like the madam of the of the bar you know and so brent spiner's in a dress with this crazy wig and coming down the stairs like oh sheriff it's so funny uh, and that that episode always makes me laugh. Okay, we are finally diverging on this one. Um, mine is everything that is related to the Q continuum. Oh, Q! Good point. The Q is Q is great. Oh my god! All right, you win on that one. I didn't even think about Q. He's hysterical. <laughs> um, He's great. I love him when he. I love when he comes into Voyager. That always makes me laugh. Because um, he, you know, he he has such a strong relationship with Jean Luc Picard, and he and he he would mess with the Enterprise so much. And then all of a sudden, uh, he was in Voyager. He started, you know, popping into Voyager, and I got so excited. And then he came into DS Nine and Cisco. Uh, punches him i don't know if you've seen ds9 yet but he punches him and and q goes 
Jean-Luc Picard would never have, you know, never punched me. And Cisco goes, I'm not Picard. And it's so funny. Because <laughs> he finally, he finally did what everyone wanted to do. Just punch him out. Just punch Q. He's so annoying. I love him. Yeah, I feel myself lucky because I haven't reached uh, that far into uh, DS9 and Voyager to see those Q episodes. So I still have stuff. Oh, well, you're in for a treat. They're very <laughs> good. Sorry if I spoiled them for you. No, it's fine. Um, favorite um, original series episode? Ooh, um, that's a tough one too. There's so many. Good God, you're killing me on this. Uh, one that stands out for me is um, there's one where they go down to an uh, a planet where there's like this type of plant that um Spock encounters and it gives him emotions and everyone goes down there on because they're going down for shore leave and all of the people all the entire crew want to stay on this planet because it makes them happy it's almost like a drug this plant it, it it drugs them to stay there and everyone's happy and running around la 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 even captain kirk and then uh so the entire ship is empty and captain kirk goes back to the ship to kind of like turn everything off and to grab his bag and and it's the one thing that um snaps him out of it is his love for his ship and that's a really special episode because it just shows how deep kirk's love for the enterprise runs because it was the one thing that could snap him out of this fantasy and he kind of had to um get the crew back on track one at a time with that one because yeah it's crazy because uh, it, it even got spock like spock couldn't even fight it so kirk was the only one who could pull away from the the draw yeah <laughs> well mine was uh, it's again, uh, again a silly one the first episode where we see the tribbles oh trouble with tribbles is a great episode you know what you know what you're going to be excited for if you like that episode there's an episode in ds9 where they they have to go back in time to uh the original series days and they end up on the enterprise during that episode <laughs> um Oh, the trouble of triples. And so it's one of the most amazing episodes because they, they're in, they're in the actual episode, like with Captain, they're interacting, they're talking with Captain Kirk. They're like, they're, there's different characters, but it was edited so beautifully that they're completely integrated into the episode and in it's and it's still like stylized like it looks like it's made in the 1960s they're all in the costumes it's so good so i can't wait for you to get to that one let me know how it is uh, it's probably one of the early ds9 because i think i've seen it i think oh yeah yeah it's a great episode that's one of my favorites mm. um okay favorite uh, next generation scene i will start this one <laughs> Uh, well, episode. Okay. Uh, my favorite episode in TNG is Deja Q. So um, on the Memory Alpha's Wikia page, uh, it says, because I didn't necessarily remember the whole thing, at one point, Picard suggests that they have seen the last of Q. Q, however, appears on the bridge as a horn player with a mariachi band, making <laughs> cigars appear in Picard's and Riker's mouth and materializing scantily clad women to celebrate. Well, yeah, I mean, everything's a party with Q. <laughs> One of my favorite TNG episodes is when they get, when Q sends them to uh, the basically Robin Hood. They're in, they become part of the legend of Robin Hood. And uh, it's very funny to see, you know, it's like Data's Friar Tuck and... Um, I believe Worf is Little John, and it's just, it's so funny to see. <laughs> yeah, the Deja Q I just picked is also the episode which is the source for the most common variant of the popular uh, Picard facepalm meme. Oh, yes, everyone loves a good facepalm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and do you, do you also know about the Picard maneuver, right? Oh, yes, and the Riker maneuver. 
the Riker maneuver with the with the chairs, how he could he couldn't uh, he has to go over. That's right. Yeah, in the, in the debate last year at the fringe, he's making a big thing about those two maneuvers. Yes. Um, okay. Um, I think there is something. Well, we're going a bit away from the movies and the series now. I think there's something fascinating happening. Is that J.J. Uh, Abrams directed so the first two uh, Trek reboots and also Star Wars, which is quite. Uh, mm-hmm. an, I, I think um, there is also. So we talked about. Uh, Simon Pegg being in both franchises in the Shaun of the Dead episode. There is also J.J. Uh, Abrams' um, friend Greg Grenberg, who is, who is in mm-hmm. both. Uh, he was most notably known for Heroes, I think. Um, mm-hmm. They don't have that many um, crossovers, kind of. Uh, even now with uh, Joss Brolin, who is going to be Thanos, and Cable in Deadpool 2. Well, here's the thing about all of that. You know, everyone see, always does the Star Wars versus Star Trek um, thing. And I, I always say, why can't you like both? They're two completely different universes. They're two completely different things. So many people are like, oh, well, he can't be in Star Trek. He's doing Star Wars or, you know, vice versa. It's like, it doesn't matter. They're two completely different worlds. So if I could be in both, I would be in both in a heartbeat. Are you kidding me? So kudos to all of them for... Living out there, the sci-fi nerd dream in all of us, you know? <laughs> that's, that's fascinating, really. Um, did you hear, well, we probably heard that uh, now Fox is uh, Disney's property. Yes, which means we'll finally get a really good Fantastic Four <laughs> movie, hopefully. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It means Cause... we're going to finally get a good Alien movie. Yeah. Because they bought Alien. Oh, yay. There's a funny uh, meme going around that now anything that any, you know, alien child that comes out of the yeah, queen alien yeah. is now a Disney princess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the thing which will annoy uh, most, I think, people is the with this thingy now, Disney is setting up for their very own streaming service, which means that Netflix won't have the shows anymore. Yeah, that's going to be rough. Um, So many things. You have to also realize that this is probably the future of television. You know, no one, I don't know about you guys, but I don't have cable anymore. I don't watch TV anymore. I I stream everything. And it sucks that there's going to be so, I feel like this is, they're, they're going to start their own streaming service and, it, you know, and then we also have Netflix and Hulu and CBS has their streaming. It, it's It's getting to the point where there's going to be a streaming service that's going to come along and combine them all. And that's going to new, be the new cable television. I feel like like this is where the future is going. And it's crazy that, you know, I'm sad that all the Marvel shows will be going off of Netflix, though, because I'm sure Disney's going to pull those. Um, It'll just go full circle, though. I mean, there'll, there'll be people that will start doing deals where you can get multiple uh, streaming services for a fixed fee. You know, I'll just go full circle again. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, I'd like so now we're on the subject of streaming services. Uh, you're watching Discovery on CBS All Access, or how how are you watching it? Yes, I mean that's really I feel the only way to watch it. I was lucky that I was living. I, I've moved recently, but I was living in a house where one of the roommates had it, so we all watched it together under their name. So now that uh, this new the new season's going to start in January. I'm going to have to join it myself and watch it myself because I want I don't want to miss it. But I watched it on there. And then, uh, I mean, there's so many different platforms to stream and to watch entertainment, including, I, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Twitch, but that's mm, a new, yeah. yeah. So Twitch is now 
becoming more and more popular and and that's i do so many shows on twitch now that it's it's bec- it's becoming like its own television network i feel it's fascinating mm. yeah so uh, discovery the only way in the us is cbs all access but whereas here in the uk or even in france it's uh, on netflix there is the the deals the uh, underground deals there's something in terms of licensing, it's like uh, Outlander, which is a show about Scotland, but is produced by mm-hmm. uh, American Channel stars. And it is distributed in France by Netflix and in the UK by uh, Amazon Prime. How bizarre. Yeah, we do not have it on Netflix. I wish it was on Netflix. I'd watch it more. <laughs> and, and there's even weirder. I just learned that yesterday watching an Instagram post. There is a new um, um, movie coming up with um, a bunch of stars, Oscar Isaac, uh, mm-hmm. um, called Annihilation. It's a huge universe based on novel series. It's been announced it's going in theaters in the US, Canada and China in February. Mm. And it will be released only 16 days later in Netflix in the UK and other territories. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, because I think it's one of the producers didn't agree with the distributors or something. And there was just something weird going on in there. So Also, uh, in Okja, we talked about the fact that... um, Films need a theatrical release to compete in the Oscars, right? And uh, Mm -hmm. we forgot to say in the Disaster Artist episode that The Room, uh, Tommy Wiseau paid for two weeks (laughs) for The Room to be in the screening to make sure that it could compete. Mm -hmm. Uh, He also had for five years a a huge billboard for The Room with his uh, phone number on it. It uh, might in one day be famous for the longest running movie in cinemas. Technically. I mean, the longest one, I think, is Titanic at the moment. It was just on forever when it came out. Mm-hmm. Well, um, so in terms of uh, <laughs> Star Trek Discovery, again, uh, my issues with it are twofold. Well, three, fourfold. Uh, so first, <laughs> it's it's quite, it's ridiculous. But since the birth of Star Trek, we always have seen the names of the shows being made into acronyms, right? The original series, TOS, TNG, and so on. Um STD sounds more like a genital uh, sickness than uh, Epic Space Adventures. <laughs> a lot of people have been abbreviating it as Disco for Discovery. Ah, okay. Um, okay. Well, and I, I touched that about that uh, earlier also, but Star Trek Discovery, they are more focused on, uh, on making war than actually discovering stuff, but yeah. And also, so there is this convention in cinema and uh, everywhere, uh, like entertainment, that um, when you've got some beings or people who don't speak the same language as the audience, you've got a few uh, seconds of their own language and then it switches into English. Every time we watched um, the Klingons in Star Trek Discovery, I I don't know if you reached episode 9 yet, and now we've got some English, but... uh, we always get them speaking their own language, and it's not a, a beautiful language. Well, I bought the original uh, Hamlet in the original Klingon. I have it here with me, but still. Uh, <laughs> I like. Uh, I I feel like the oh, the Klingon design in Discovery is one of the one of the main things I have. I feel that I I don't like about it. Uh, they don't feel like Klingons to me at all. <laughs> I you know I'm. Maybe I'm just because I grew up so much with the next gen and uh, Voyager DS9 Klingon design. I feel like they're just, they're more like orcs to me. The Klingon language uh, is accurate, yes. But besides that, I feel like their whole design and, um, and whatnot is just not what Klingons are. That's my, that was my fourth point. Yeah, it's, uh, it's way too much, I think. (laughs) 
Yeah, they're just they're not Klingons. I I, ho- I don't know how they're gonna you know make it to where we we get the Klingons that we know today because I know with the um you know they it's it's in in the timeline you know it's, that's how they that's how they explained the the different Klingon design from original series to to next gen. But I don't know how they're gonna get it from here to there because it's it's a little much. J.J. Uh, Abrams gets a lot of hate for his uh, lens flares. And I must say, I felt they were placed well enough that I did not notice them in the first film. Apparently it's worse in the second, but I didn't watch it for this uh, episode. Uh, I did uh, for uh, Discovery, however, and I noticed the lens flares right away and everywhere. Uh, the, the what now? The, I didn't... The, the lens flares. The lens flares? Lens, lens, the lens flares? Oh, the lens flares. Yes. Yes, sorry. <laughs> it's hard to hear with the headphones. Yes, uh, there's lens flare oh, in the, oh my gosh, in the reboot. It was almost, I mean, it's almost comedic. You can make fun of how many there are. It's, it's ridiculous. And now, yeah, there's definitely quite a few in Discovery as well. Maybe that's like the new, the new look of sci-fi, lens flares. I think we can go into the rating and then we'll, uh, I'll have a quick shout out and we can go into, into what you're doing right now. Okay. Uh, so would you launch the rating thingy? Okay, so here on the good, the bad, and the just plain standard, we rate films on the good, bad, or just plain standard. Just being plain standard being that the film didn't even try to be anything. It just went along. So in, I reckon in Star Trek's place, it would be basically you've got, they're on the ship, and it had, that's all it had in common. You know, it's the same characters, but it has nothing really to do with anything that Star Trek was in the beginning, or what anyone knows with. So with that in mind, Jan and Bonnie, is Star Trek 2009 good, bad, or just plain standard? We shall start with our guest first. Uh, I think it's good. I think it's good. I mean, again, it has its pros, it has its cons, but I think it's good. I was thoroughly entertained throughout the movie. I enjoyed it, you know. Uh, For me, movies are a way of escaping... And, uh, you know, getting away from the real world for a little bit. And so I, I would be a horrible movie critic because I tend to find good in almost any movie I see. <laughs> There's very few ma- movies that I'm just like, wow, that was really bad. Um, but I, I, I enjoyed it. I'm going to say it was good. It, it, you know, it's not perfect. It might not be tre- Trekkies everywhere might disagree with me, but I, I liked it. Yeah. Uh, I think it was good. Yes. It's a good origin story. And I would say probably solely based on the fact that it brought thousands, possible hundreds of thousands of people into a universe that is rich and meaningful. I'm very happy about that. So yeah, good job. Mm-hmm. I feel as a non-Star Trek goer, um, this film works in the sense, nowadays with Marvel films, and even especially with the new Star Wars, which we'll talk about in another episode, Jan, um, that you have to have known or have seen anything of that series to get into. With this one, I felt, having not really watched any such Star Trek before, that I enjoyed this film and I got it. I understood what was going on. I understood the stakes, what the, the characters. So yeah, and filmmaking purposes and story purposes, this is a good film. It, it, it works. It can be an intro to so many people, which I think must have been a major concern for a studio rebooting a franchise that always had a stigma of being super geeky. Although being super geeky is now being cool. I think we talked previously in an episode about how in the future it's going to, when people are showing images of um, kids in high school instead of in the 80s where you, if you didn't play football you got picked on, it'll be like Oh what you've only got a, you've only got a Game Boy you've instead of like a 3DS oh my god look at this nerd it's shocking mm-hmm. you know so 
as a, as a as a breacher as a bridge. Yeah, this film's good. I enjoyed it. It's a good from me. Okay, good. Uh, Milk in a wine glass questionnaire. It's based on Marcel Proust, Bernard Pivot, and Je- uh, James Lipton. What is your favorite word? Marshmallow. <laughs> okay, <laughs> nice. <laughs> what is your least favorite word? Ooh, um, uh, eviction. I don't know. <laughs> Um, what turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, laughter. I know that sounds a little odd, but when, uh, my, you know, creating the library bards and a lot of the work that I do, uh, getting that reaction from people, making people laugh is almost like a drug for me. So if I create something that, that starts a a bit of laughter or or gets a reaction, uh, all I want to do is make more. So laughter. What turns you off? Uh, trolls, online trolls. Not not literal trolls, <laughs> but online trolls that um, spread negativity and and hate and and bully. Uh, what is your favorite curse word? Ooh, maybe damn, hot damn. Okay. <laughs> what sound or noise do you like? Um, a cat purring. Mm, nice. Mm. Yeah. What sound or noise do you dislike? Uh, construction work right outside your bedroom window trying to sleep. I can relate to that. (laughs) A jackhammer. (laughs) Yeah, they're building a school opposite my flat right now. It's a nightmare. Yep. Yeah, it sucks. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Oh, uh, I mean, I can't say like stand-up comedian because I still, I technically am in the comedy field, so I don't feel like that would be fair to say. If I could, if I couldn't perform or, or you know, do voiceovers or do any of that at all anymore, then I'd probably look into becoming a teacher because I love working with kids. And uh, but I would probably teach like music or theater and and just teach and guide guide the next generation of nerds. <laughs> <laughs> um, what profession other than your own would you not like to attempt? Um, oh man, uh, sewage? <laughs> I think I would be a horrible plumber. <laughs> um, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Uh, I would want him to, to think that um, I do. I wanted him to say that I was, I was a good person with a good heart. And I did my best to spread joy. Is that cheesy? No, no, it's fine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, if you were reincarnated as some other plant or animal, what would it be? Ooh, see, I'd have to go with a cat or a dog. Um, probably a cat because uh, I'd be so down for just being lazy all the time and, <laughs> and like not having to, you know, just being like, you know what? Yeah, I want you to pet me right now. Yeah, that feels really good. Yeah, you know what? Not anymore. You know? <laughs> Uh, but it, but personality wise, I'm probably more of like a puppy <laughs> running around going, Ooh, let's do this. Ooh, let's do that. So. Awesome. Uh, two bonus questions just for you. Um, okay. do you often get bunny? Oh, like the Scottish word. <laughs> Actually, uh, not as much as you think. I do get the, my bonnie lies over the ocean <laughs> a lot or a uh, shaker bond, bond, shaker bond, bond. But, um, the few people who ever say, uh, my name, like that would be like if I was like at a Ren fair or uh, at, within a community that actually knew that the word Bonnie was Scottish and what it meant. So um, sometimes people go, oh, my Bonnie lass, but they don't really know what it means. They're just repeating something that they've heard, you know, in Highlander or something. So I'm like, cool, man, just 
It would only work as a chat-up line from a Scottish person, really, because they would know what it meant. Right? I need to go to Scotland and, you know, find my find my uh, Highlander. <laughs> <laughs> well, there yeah. can be only one, so... Yes. Uh, that's true. Well, I'll just uh, it's fine. I'll find someone in the lowlands. It's cool. <laughs> I'm not picky. <laughs> um, and finally, the question to rule them all, uh, Star Wars and Star Trek, then. So basically Star Wars versus Star Trek? Yeah, but you answered it a bit, but yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like you don't have to choose, but yeah. if, if I had to, if I absolutely had to, mm. I would choose Star Trek just because the um, there's just so much of it. And yeah, Star Wars is wonderful. I love Star Wars. I love the stories. I love the, the, the characters. But I feel like, you know, Star Wars 4, 5, and 6 were amazing. The prequels were pretty bad the new reboot stuff is good but with star trek there's just so much of it you know you have this series and that series so if there's like something of this you don't like go jump to this one and there's movies there's and star trek is is a future that we could actually you know think of like look at all the technology in the original series that you know like the the um the you know their their pads and their communicators and and the doors that open and shut automatically we all we have that now that inspired you know what we have with technology today and star wars you know basically it's just a lot of pew pews and and a bunch of things um i feel like the characters in star wars uh have you know sparked you know uh, inspiration for example princess leia was such a iconic character for young girls but when you when you get deep down to the nitty-gritty i have to pick star trek uh yeah that, uh, awesome <laughs> uh quick shout out before we go into the plugging thingy i'd like to give a shout out to patreon who just backpedaled on their uh, fees <laughs> yeah oh yeah oh patreon good job i'm so glad that they actually listened to their uh, creators and um, you know, they, they, I, we went to Xander and I went to Patricon, which was in LA uh, a couple months ago. And it was a con for creators on Patreon run by Patreon. So we got to meet a lot of the staff there and they really do care about the creators and they really do care about the patrons. And, uh, when this debacle happened and the patrons, you know, rioted and all the creators were like, please don't make cha these changes. Like, what can we do to you know, come up with a solution. They listened and I feel like they, um, they really do care. So I feel like whatever changes they make in the future, they're going to definitely ask first. <laughs> yeah. Well, there was a debacle with the photo bucket who, uh, basically ransomed their whole clientele. Yeah. Yeah. With the pictures. Uh, anyway, it's plugging time. France, Scotland, USA, Go, go, Podcast Rangers, mighty plug-in Podcast Rangers. Go, go, Podcast Rangers, mighty plug-in Podcast Rangers. So, Bunny. Yes. What are you doing in, in with the Geek and Sundry and Star Trek? What What's the, the deal with that? All right. So if you guys go look up Geek and Sundry, uh, they have their Twitch channel, and there is a show called Shield of Tomorrow. If you have a Twitch account and you link your Amazon Prime account to that, you can watch the videos on demand for free, or you can subscribe to Project Alpha, which is their um, subscription-based platform, and watch all of them. We're, we're, I think we're on episode like 30, but I'm on a Star Trek RPG show called Shield of Tomorrow. And if you're a fan of Star Trek, and if you really like like really great storytelling and characters, 
uh, please check it out. It's been such an amazing experience. We have um, an incredible cast. We're in full costume with a set behind us, and we're just role playing these Star Trek uh, characters. It's. I wish I could put it into words how incredible it is. But our season finale is uh, coming up, which will have already happened once you hear this. But. I'm excited. Okay. Uh, and any library bards, a uh, big thing coming up or anything? Yes. Uh, if you guys search library bards on YouTube, we just released our brand new Star Wars music video, uh, just in time for the Star Wars Last Jedi. We also uh, keep a lookout on our social media. We're getting ready for our 2018 Comic-Con uh, touring schedule. So we are uh, traveling all over the country. We already have gigs booked in Baltimore, Virginia, uh, Hawaii, Vegas, Chicago, uh, and we might even be doing some cons in the UK this year. Ooh. Ah. So uh, keep a lookout for that. And we're also starting to work on our second album. So we'll be getting new tracks and new songs up for fans. Take a look at our Patreon, patreon.com slash library bards. If you want to be a part of um, our journey, we use all of our Patreon money for our music videos and new music tracks. And we have plenty of music videos online for you to discover. So check us out on Spotify, iTunes, Twitter, Instagram. You search library bards, you're going to find us. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Um, if you have time for one just last question then. Sure. What is the Trek movie or series or whatever you would point a complete novice like Anouk, our co-host, was not here, to start with to get the best out of uh, the best experience you feel? Hmm. <laughs> I feel like a really good one to start with is Next Generation. The original series, uh, you know, unless you're a Trek fan, it can turn you off to it because it, it is a little dated and it is a little extremely campy. But with Next Generation, it, it started the whole new uh, universe of Star Trek and brought in a whole bunch of new fans. It's an amazing cast. It's an amazing, um, amazing characters. And then that leads you into Voyager and DS9. I feel like Next Generation is the is the perfect place to start if you want to get into Star Trek, but you don't know where to begin. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you for being with us again. And uh, mm -hmm. hopefully, yeah, hopefully we'll, uh, because the there is the anime called Your Name, which was one of the highest grossing um, anime in Japan. And it's going to be rebooted, well, remade uh, by J.J. Abrams, well, in terms of producing. So we'll probably try to have you back for the original uh, anime. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, let me know. And uh, let me know if you ever want me on again. We can talk voiceovers and, and geek out together. <laughs> yeah. Nice. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you again. And uh, see you around. <laughs> All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.